0: to the last one. We're almost done with 2 Peter. And uh, don't look below. I know you're looking at this little chart that I brought. Don't look at that. Just look at the verse. And let's stand together and read it. And then I'm going to get into, I got to get into some Bible prophecy tonight. So let's do that. Second <clears throat> Peter 3.10. And let's read together, can we? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Wow. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Open our understanding that we might grasp what the Holy Ghost was saying to your church. Now, you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. I receive your word. Amen. Bless you. You can be seated. And let me, uh, I really, if I'm going to deal with the day of the Lord, I've got to go into some Bible prophecy. So let me do that. I want you to notice here. In the book of Revelations, John has shown that the Gentile church will go through seven stages. Now, I'm going to turn this off so you're not looking at that chart for a minute. Let me, John, it says in, in the prophecy, if you read Revelations, before he names the first church. It says he hears a voice and he looks behind him. And the whole idea here is that that John is seeing into the future here, not just at what exists on the earth that day. In other words, these seven churches that he's addressing, he was not just talking about seven existing churches of his day, but he was dealing with seven stages in church history. He was basically saying the church is going to go through seven phases or stages in its existence on the earth, winding up with the one that we're going to focus on more than any tonight, Laodicea, the final church, the lukewarm church. But he names seven churches, and what I'm going to show you in this little, real simple little chart is the names of the churches and what that name means. And uh, it's, it's for another night and another time for me to go into these different stages of church existence that really have taken place through the centuries and have brought us up to this day where now we're in the Laodicean church I believe but let me just go over these stages real quickly he named seven churches and he says something about every one of them and you you know about this but here they were the first one was Ephesus and Ephesus means first or desirable and then he talked and addressed uh, the, the church at Smyrna and that means bitter affliction and there he was predicting the, the heavy persecution the church went through under the Roman emperors and on down through a, a century century and a half until it came to Pergamos the church at Pergamos which means earthly height and then the next one he addressed was Thyatira, a sacrifice of labor Sardis meaning prince of joy. And then Philadelphia, we all know this, the love of a brother or brotherly love, Phileo, uh, Dolphos, and there you got brotherly love. Then finally, isn't it interesting that Laodicea means people's opinions. People's opinions. That's what Laodicea means because you get lukewarm, folks, when you get out of the Word of God. You get lukewarm when you get smarter than God and you forsake the Scriptures, and that's exactly what our church has done in this day and age. We have walked away from the Word of God, and because of it, Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'd just soon spit you out. The the, the Word really is throw you up. Vomit you. You make me sick. The condition you're in makes me sick. He still loves us, but boy, does he hate lukewarmness. The church today is in its last age, the Lyodicean period. The church run by people's opinions or the lukewarm church. The next prophetic event will be the day of Christ or the rapture of the church. That's next on the prophetic timetable. Right now, as we survey the church horizon in America and the world, whole denominations that we would never have ever guessed have rejected the Word of God have thrown it aside have put it away and they are now ruling by men's opinions and not by thus says the Lord and let me tell you something as goes the church so go we that is if you and I leave the Word of God and begin to go according to our own natural instincts we too will grow lukewarm there is a way that seems right to a man but the end of it is death it's death you will die because we don't, we don't gravitate towards God naturally. And so here we are, we're in the Laodicean church age, and we're in a backslidden church age, and it's getting worse all the time. Who would ever have ever imagined, go back just 50 years, that a so-called pastor or a minister would stand in front of two men and marry them or two women and marry them? Who would have ever imagined somebody practicing the lifestyle of homosexuality being ordained in the ministry? But see, when you set the word of God aside, you'll do anything. Your flesh can do anything. This is why we need it. This word calls us up. This word keeps us grounded in God. And this in church age that we're in is the the age of men's opinion. The church is being run by. The opinions of men instead of the counsel of God. That's Laodicea. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. You don't talk about the blood anymore. You don't talk about the cross anymore. You don't talk about the Holy Ghost anymore. You don't talk about hell anymore. You don't talk about heaven anymore. Everything becomes sermonettes to Christianettes, sort of Christianity light. And even worse than that, you get away from the counsel of God. I'm going to tell you keep your nose buried in this word and live according to this word. It'll keep you grounded. Now, following the rapture of the church, that's what's coming next, the rapture of the church. Following that will be the great tribulation, a period of seven years. And that tribulation period is to be followed by the 1,000-year world empire of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to say that again. It sounds so good. The world empire of the Lord Jesus Christ for a thousand years after the rapture of the church and the Great Tribulation period. Now we're scooting through sort of end time prophecy in, in major leaps here, but I want you to get an overall view of where things are headed according to the Word of God, and then we'll get into some of these verses. All right, at the conclusion of that thousand year time period known as the what? The millennium, at its conclusion the Great White Throne judgment will occur and when the great white throne judgment occurs, the wicked dead are going to be judged. This is what Peter is referring to in chapter 3 verse 7 when he speaks of the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. That's what he's talking about. The great white throne judgment is the day of judgment. And at this time the renovation of the earth and its planetary heavens, because it says, the heaven and the earth will pass away the renovation note notice there not a total new creation but the renovation the renovation of the earth and its planetary heavens will occur mentioned in chapter three verses seven and ten and twelve the day of the Lord comprises Now keep this in mind because this is verse ten when we say the day of the Lord when Peter uses that phrase the day of the Lord what does he mean The day of the Lord comprises the seven-year tribulation period and the thousand-year millennium. That's the day of the Lord. All right? The great fire that Peter says melts the elements with a fervent heat takes place at the end of the millennium. We're going to look at that more closely in just a moment. That the end of the millennium. God burns up this earth and all the universe melts with a fervent heat. It's sort of like God says, you know what? Sin has so stained everything. Sin has just so tainted everything. The only way that I can renew this and start over is to burn the whole thing up with a fervent heat. And so when the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ ends, And the great white throne judgment takes place. God releases a great fire, a conflagration, a great fire. And it literally cooks, melts, dissolves the earth. And this universe, the whole universe has been tainted by sin. The whole thing has been tainted by sin. So God says, I'm going to burn it up. That chair you're sitting in is going to burn. This building is going to burn. Your house is going to burn. Everything material will burn up. And God's going to renovate the earth. Now, that great fire happens. The millennium then merges into eternity, and that's called the day of God. When the millennium just, the, the millennium just keeps on going into eternity. Keeps on going. The only thing that separates millennium from eternity is the great white throne judgment and this burning up of the earth and all the universe and then God renovates it all. Now I want to show you these verses when I say here at the beginning the re- renovation of the earth and its planetary heavens will occur mentioned in 3 7 and 10 and 12 let me just show you 3 7 again we've already looked at it but here it is can we read it together but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men this world is being kept in store it's it's it's, it's waiting and it is not, as the evolutionists would tell us, it is not a world that is progressively getting better under the progress of evolution. You know what's happening with this world? It's, it's going down, bub. It is not getting better. It's waxing worse. It's rotting. It's decaying evolution says well we all began as little amoebas crawling out of some ancient sea and we've progressed we have evolved to this no we no we have not so so the, the, the gist of evolution is we're evolving into a better form the natural selection of the species the mighty survive and the weaker don't that is not what's happening this world is devolving and it is headed towards the great day of god the day of the lord when it's all going to burn up. So there is an end to this thing. This world is not eternal. This universe is not eternal. It's coming to a close, according to the Word of God. It's coming to a close. Amen. Now, let's, let's read this. Oh, we just read that, didn't we? All right. So, so he says the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. And I'm looking for this one. Now, let's read verse 12. What are we doing? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. I'll tell you, the word of the Lord is so powerful. Here is this former fisherman, just this old crusty blue-collar fisherman. One day Jesus says to him, follow me. All he's ever known is to cast a net and draw in fish. And now he's sitting here telling us these profound truths about the end of the world, things he's speaking, reaching, reaching centuries beyond him to the end of time as we know it. And he's saying, I'm telling you, by the Holy Ghost, the world's going to melt with a fervent heat and the universe with it. And God's going to renovate this whole thing. wow. Now, the aspect of the day of the Lord that Peter is talking about in verse 10, when he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a what, everybody? Thief Thief in the night. night. Anybody ever see that movie, Thief in the Night? There we go. It's going to come like a thief in the night, right when you don't expect it. Now, watch this closely. The day of the Lord that he's talking about will take place at the second half of the seven-year period, the seven-year tribulation period in which antichrist turns against the human race to become the ruthless dictator and the judgments of god fall upon a christ rejecting world the first three and a half years of the tribulation period that is ushered in after the rapture of the church the first three and a half years will be when the antichrist is promoted before the eyes of the world he will solve I believe the number one crisis of our day and that is the Arab Israeli conflict he will bring peace to the Middle East he will arise from nowhere he will be a politician he'll be charismatic attractive magnetic a a, a powerful orator no doubt and he will somehow by demonic power actually make peace he will bring peace when the whole world is clamoring for peace in the Middle East we, we used to read these things and go, well, you know, what's the deal? What is he possibly going to do? Now it's no mystery. We see the whole world wanting that conflict solved. Virtually every diplomat of any count at all in our world is focused on the Middle East today. The Antichrist will come along and somehow he will bring them together and there will be peace. It'll last three and a half years. During that three and a half years, he's going to be working with a fellow called the false prophet. The false prophet will have supernatural power. It says in the book of Revelations, he'll call fire down from heaven. He will do supernatural signs and wonders, and wonders in front of the eyes of the world, apparently via television, because it says the whole world sees what he does. CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS don't kid yourself, will be panned in on this. And he will do miracles, and he will be the validator of Antichrist. He will say, that's your answer, there's your man, that's your guy. And because this false prophet is doing supernatural signs, the people of the world will believe his word when he says, you need to look to him. And he will sort of be, in a way, an evil or a wicked John the Baptist type to the Antichrist. But after three and a half years, while the the Jews have peace, and they are worshiping again in a rebuilt temple, and they are offering the Old Testament sacrifices— three-and-a-half years into the tribulation period the antichrist will rise up and he will say you will no longer worship anything but me he will walk into the rebuilt temple into the holy of holies sit in the holy of holies and declare himself god and when he does the day of the lord kicks in the day of the lord kicks in because as soon as he says that god Kind of makes like Popeye and says, "I've had all I can stand,s I can't stand,s no more." And he says, "He says, that's it." And if you read the Book of Revelations, the most hellacious, unbelievable plagues begin to be poured out on planet Earth you could ever imagine. Just one of them will be hailstones the size of basketballs, and they will fall. If you can imagine that, because I it gives the weight in the Book of Revelations, and I figured that out when I taught this one time, and it turned out that these hailstones would be the size of basketballs, and they would fall like a huge rainstorm all over the world. Can you imagine what a hailstone that size would do? Everything would be decimated. That's just one of the plagues. A third of the sea becoming blood. A third of green vegetation dying, burned up. I mean, it just goes on and on. But see, what kicks off the day of the Lord is this action, and he starts pouring out the plagues. Not only will the beginning of the day of the Lord come suddenly, three and a half years into the tribulation period, but its end at the close of the millennium will come unexpectedly. The end of the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly the great white throne judgment and the great fire or conflagration will come upon the earth dwellers who are unsaved as suddenly as the judgment of the great tribulation now i know what you're thinking pastor jeff what do you mean unsaved people in the millennium you gotta understand remember now isaiah told us and in other places in the bible people are going to be born during the tribulation or the the millennium they're going to be born there's going to be little bitty babies playing in the presence of poisonous snakes and no harm is going to come to them. The lion dwells with the lamb. Human uh, human beings are going to procreate. They're They're going to have relationships during the millennium period. And apparently, according to the Word of God, even though Jesus is ruling out of Jerusalem over the whole world because of the fallen nature of man, there's going to be a lot of people during the millennium who are born during the millennium who are not saved. Say, well, won't he make them believe? No, apparently not. Apparently not. Mm, I just hear, hear those wheels rolling. There's going to be tribulation, saints. Let's just take the seven-year tribulation period. Anybody going be, to be saved during that time? You better believe it. What a terrible time to be saved. Though better than nothing, But you don't think Grandma Sue and Grandpa Bill and your dad and your mom and your cousins and all your friends and people that you have witnessed to, when they realize that the rapture of the church has taken place, many of them will panic and call on the name of the Lord. The Bible uh, intimates there's going to be tribulation saints, people born again during the tribulation period. And they will be hunted down ruthlessly by the Antichrist and martyred. But there's also going to be millennium saints. And there's going to be people in the millennium who apparently never turn in faith to Christ. And because of that, the great white throne judgment is going to be that which judges them. Now, watch this. The greatest harvest of souls this earth has ever seen will come during the millennium our Lord will rule as earth dictator a benevolent righteous one no Chavez there no Hitler no Mussolini no Stalin a righteous benevolent dictator there'll be universal righteousness peace and prosperity Satan and his demons will be in the bottomless pit and the nation of Israel will be saved and only true doctrine will be preached in the millennium in the millennium but despite all this there will be masses of humanity still unsaved at the end of the thousand years masses of them to these the final judgment of the great white throne and the earth fire will come as a total surprise suddenly they will be hauled up to judgment now peter goes on and he says in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise now notice he didn't say the earth he said all the heavens the solar system and I still consider Pluto a planet they can tell me what they want Pluto is my planet Pluto is not a non-planet to me so I'm just throwing that in free for those of you listening by radio I hope you amen that now when he says the heavens the heavens all right, are going to pass away with a great noise. The word noise. Sometimes the Greek word or a Greek word sounds like what it means. As does this one. Royzadon. Royzadon is the, the word for noise. It was used to describe the whistling of an arrow. Royzadon, whistle of an arrow, the sound of a shepherd's pipe, the rush of wings, the splash of water, the hissing roids, can you hear it, of a snake and the sound of filing, like a file on metal. It was used to describe that. So in other words, when when Peter was shown this in the Spirit, he not only saw this, but he he said, he said, man, it's going to pass away. Those heavens are going to pass away with a noise that sounds like a gigantic hissing sound. That's what it's gonna sound like. You know, I was walking uh, Ollie last night, about 10 o'clock, through our neighborhood. Scared the life out of me. I'm walking along with him, and it's dark, and I've got this little flashlight with me, and I'm not thinking of anything. We're, I'm on my third mile, and we're walking, and I wasn't thinking about anything. All of a sudden, right next to me, somebody's sprinkler system came on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about some little. This was a major and it was this huge hit I thought it was a snake I said oh Ollie and I grabbed him and pulled him away and here comes this sprinkler I was so glad nobody was outside but it was just this hissing sound and I thought rattler or something you know. but see sometimes you know you take Peter and you take John the revelator for sure when they saw things in the spirit it wasn't just a, a knowledge of something, but John saw and heard, and Peter here heard. He said, the, "It's going to pass away. It's going to sound like a gigantic hissing noise, a gigantic roar." And then he said, "The elements will melt with fervent heat." Now that word, elements, in the Greek language, speaks of that which the universe is composed of: fire, air, earth, and water. All will melt with a fervent heat. The word melt is to dissolve like water into steam. Fervent heat is simply to burn up. It means a violent, consuming heat. Literally, the elements being scorched up shall be dissolved. The elements being scorched up shall be dissolved. This is going to happen to earth and this is going to happen to our solar system. God's going to renovate the whole thing. By the word of the Lord, this is going to happen. Aren't you glad you're saved? I mean, look what the Lord delivered us from. How would you like to know that you were lost and see this coming upon the world? You know, I remember reading um, about when they dropped the, the bomb on Hiroshima. And when they dropped that bomb on Hiroshima within a certain number of square miles, any human being that was in those square miles was instantly vaporized. Just there, one microsecond, and the next mic gone. Vaporized, no trace. Um, by the intense heat. This is the kind of heat it's talking about. God's just going to melt everything that was touched and stained by sin, and he's going to renovate it it's coming now let's read the translation can we but there will come the lord's day as a thief in which the heavens with a rushing noise will be dissolved and the elements being scorched up will be dissolved and the earth also and the works in it will be burned up all the works of man will be burned up Mm-mm-mm. That's why Jesus said, lay not not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth or rust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break through and steal, and where this intense judgment of this fire will not burn them up. That's what can't be taken away from you. Your crowns, your reward, your salvation, what waits in eternity for you. That can't be burned up. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's read verse 11 and 12 together, can we? Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? In all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, elements will melt with fervent heat. Now straight from the Greek, notice seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, it would read like this straight from the Greek. All these things being in the process of dissolution right now. He's telling us right now the earth is winding down right now, present active indicative, ongoingly now, right now, right now, it's in the process of dissolve. It is not getting better. He's telling us right, right there. Okay? Now, in other words, realizing that this whole thing is headed towards a final fiery ending, what kind of people, what does it say, ought you to be? That means that saints are obligated to maintain the holy life of separation they started with in the Christian life. Man, if you know that this whole world is headed towards this kind of judgment, what kind of a person ought you to be? What what ought your lifestyle be like? Should it be like the world? Uh Uh-uh. It should be like those who know good and well that he's coming back and this whole thing is going to be wrapped up like a giant scroll. Now, holy conversation, what does that mean? Talking holy? Uh-uh. It means the way you live, your actions. It means holy manner of life. Holy is from a word meaning set apart for the service of God. So a holy life is a separated life, separated from the world so you can be separated to God. That's what holy is. Hagias, holy separated from something so you can be separated for something. We're separated from the world so that we can be separated for God. Amen. Every one of you, you've been called out so you can be called in. Amen. You've been separated from so you can be separated for. You've been, you've been taken away from so you can be headed toward something him and his purpose for you. Now, he says, in all holy conversation and what? Godliness. Godliness means piety towards God. I don't like that word piety. That sounds pious. I don't like it. I say, what, piety? That reminds me of, you know, don't mean anything by this, but, you know, the religious people, pious, snub nose. you know, you drown in a rainstorm because your nose is already turned up looking down at everybody. do you know that chickens will drown in a rainstorm? I mean, those birds are stupid. They'll drown in a rainstorm. Because, but see, what I mean is some religious people are always looking down on people, and I just say they might drown in a rainstorm because their nose is always turned up to people. That is, and so I think pious, no, what does pious mean? Pious, uh, pious is to walk in the fear of the Lord to walk in the fear of the Lord. And what's the fear of the Lord? It's the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing every one of my thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. That's the fear of the Lord. The continual awareness that God is watching and weighing in the scales, every one of my thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. That's the fear of the Lord. Now, he says, looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, looking for means to expect to look for, to wait for it means to live with the heart looking upward, expectantly awaiting his return, unlike the Lyodicean church that is preaching he's not coming back, that he wasn't even born of a virgin. God forbid he's coming back and he said the the the, the believer who is hot in the faith will have an attitude of looking up. Waiting, expecting for the return of God Amen. in the person of Jesus Christ. The word hasting is to desire earnestly. Now, I checked on this a little bit and I found this and I like this. Hasting can mean hastening, just add an EN in there. T.E.N. Hastening can mean hastening. It may also suggest that by the church walking in this kind of faith and expectancy, it actually hastens or speeds along the coming of Christ by faith and prayer. Amen, Pastor Jeff preach it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't hit you like it hit me, but here's what it said to me. If the church is expecting the coming of the Lord and living that way and preaching and ministering, we can actually accelerate the day of his return. That's what it's saying. Paul wrote, even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This reflects the attitude we're talking about. Well, Let's stand together and read the translation. How many of you can say, I'm full, I'm full tonight. All right, I got enough to think about for a while. All right now you know you say what is this translation this is a straight translation from the Greek language the way that it would read so here we go Are you ready all these things in this manner being in process of dissolution what sort of persons is it necessary in the nature of the case for you to be in the sphere of holy behaviors and pieties looking for and hastening the day of God, on account of which day heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and elements burning up are being melted. Mm. Praise God. That's strong. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now that you have given us this powerful word, And Lord, we're living in the Laodicean church, yet we don't want to be lukewarm. Help us to maintain our spiritual intensity and reach as many people for Jesus as we can. Thank you for the doors you've opened. And Lord, help us to be prepared for this day of the Lord and for time to be wrapped up as we know it. For, Lord, we see eternity coming. We thank you for your grace and your mercy every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've got food out there.